Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to Dilly Ding Dilly Dong, uh, Leicester Mercury's Leicester City podcast, and it's the last one of the season. Joining me down at Kingport Power Stadium is James the Sharp End Sharp. Hello, Rob. And we're going to be discussing Claude Puel's last main press conference, pre-match press conference of the season, James, aren't we? And uh, let's kick off with the usual way, one last time, beer52.com. If you like free beer, head over to beer52.com and you can be enjoying eight beers from around the world. All you've got to do is pay the postage and pack in and all you've got to do is use the tagline Leicester to register. Now then, James... Yeah. Uh, Injury news. It's the last game of the season and they're limping over the line somewhat, aren't they, Leicester City? They are, yeah. I mean, it's probably um, best to just list all of the names instead of going through them in individually because there's so many of them. So we'll kick off with Kasper Schmeichel, who is a huge doubt um, for the game. Claw said he's probably going to be assessed, but it's difficult for him to come back with still that ankle injury that's kept him out for, for nearly a month now. So he leads the way... Uh, with injury. Huth is out definitely. So is Amate. So is Chilwell. So is Matty James. So is Ndidi. So is Okazaki. And so is Mark Albrighton with suspension um, because of his extended ban for his reaction to his red card with Mike Dean. Danny Simpson and Alexander Dragovic both need to be assessed. Um, Simpson came off uh, with an ankle injury. Obviously he'd missed the previous games. He had to come off late on. Dragovic replaced him, but he got a shoulder injury, played through that. Those two are going to be assessed before the game. Um, the only positive news is that Adrian Silva, um, who took a bit of a knock to his knee, and Seni Diabati, who had been ill before the game against Arsenal, those two look like they're OK. Well, it, was a, it was a patched-up side that uh, took to the field on Wednesday night, but uh, they certainly... Uh, you know, Produce an improved performance. It wasn't hard to improve too much on that West Ham performance, and no. even uh, Claude was a bit critical of it today, wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the fans have called it boring, and Claude well jumped on the boring bandwagon by saying that that West Ham game um, was too poor, it was too boring, and that game against Arsenal was much more what he wanted to see from his side. That's the pace of play he wants, that's the quick movement, quick passing sharp, intricate, moving the ball forward. He said his players had the desire to do that and mo- and be able to do that meant that they could show off what they can do. And that's what he wants to see from his team. Not the rubbish against West Ham, but that vibrant football against Arsenal. Uh, it was um, certainly the, the last couple of press conferences admitted that some of his players have been struggling with concentration and focus in these final uh, few weeks of the season because they haven't got a, a great deal to play for since that seventh place uh, possibility evaporated um, it's been a real sort of shocking sort of slip sandals yeah. on beach towel out sun lotion out yeah. hasn't it really yeah it has uh, I think lots of fans have seen this and it's something that Leicester fans aren't really used to seeing I mean you think I can't remember the last time Leicester were on the beach at the end of the season I mean, they've always been fighting either against relegation or for promotion or fighting for a title there's always been something on the agenda for them to be fired up for and this is one of the first seasons in a long time where they haven't and so 
And I know fans will say, well, they, they could have pushed for seventh or they want to finish eighth or whatever. But if, unless you're real fighting for your lives, it's that natural bite, that natural subconscious. You're not as up for it as other people are. And Puello admitted that his players have been on the beach. Um, but they turned up against Arsenal. Exactly, and they needed to, didn't they? Because the criticism was certainly mounting, the pressure was certainly mounting, the speculation about Puel's mm. future was there. And he's been asked today well, how he felt about all that, about the criticism, and whether he thought the Arsenal win would silence a few. I don't think it will. But no, he I says think. he's not bothered, but. Uh... Well, he might not be bothered. He is bothered. Of course, he's bothered because the reaction of the fans and how toxic it was against West Ham that will have an impact on his job and that will have an impact on whether the owners think he's the man. So, of course, he's bothered. He's not going to say that he is. But he said that he rose above it, didn't he? He said, I rise, I rise above that and I try and, rem- I try and remember, I try and tell people that I came here to do more than just save the club. I want to be a part of the project. I want to change. I want to adapt the play. I want to improve the players. I want to bring the youth through. I want to develop the training ground. I want to build the club. That's the message he keeps trying to put across. For the fans to buy into it, they need to see more of those performances against Arsenal than the dross that was served up before. But you're always going to have that inconsistency, aren't you, when there's a team that's in transition, when you're bringing in youngsters, when, when you're in the midst of an injury crisis that is unprecedented in recent years. Yeah, your first, your first choice goalkeeper, your first, second and third choice right-backs have been injured, first choice left-back, your first choice central midfielder. Um, and arguably a second choice winger. Um, although when they're all those are out, of course you're struggling. Yeah, exactly. And uh, but he has been talking about his plans for the future, hasn't he? And uh, we asked him about whether he thinks it's going to be a busy transfer window. I think it certainly will be because this this squad needs an overhaul in the summer, and, and uh, certainly a number of players that could be moving on and uh, players coming in as well. And he sort of said that, hasn't he? It's going to be a big summer. They've got a lot of work to do to get this squad how he wants it to. He wants that first major transfer window. He didn't want to do too much in the December one because he wanted to see what, uh, sorry, the January one, but he wanted to see what um, what sort of squad he had at his disposal then because he'd only been in the job a couple of months. But it feels like this is a massively key, uh, important period now for the club in which direction they go. And if some of the fans aren't having him as manager, you know, there's a lot of people who are saying, why risk it? Yeah, that's the big... That's the big question because you either stick with him or you, you either stick with him or you don't. Because the last position Leicester really want to be in is you go through another cycle for what would be a third season of you give Paul the summer, he gets rid of the players he doesn't want and brings in the players he does want, give him the first eight nine games of the season, and then decide he's not the right man. You get rid of him, you bring a new man in. The same scenario who, again. Who then? Who then goes? Well, I don't want these players. I want my own players. And then you've got a whole, you've got another rebuilding process of a new manager getting rid of old managers' players, bringing in his new ones, and you go through that whole cycle again. And it, Leicester have been through that so many times now. They can't afford to do it again. I mean, look at the look at that the summer after the winning the title. All those players that were signed in that summer are not at the club anymore whether that be gone away permanently or out on loan that was a failed summer 
and that you can't that they can't afford to have that again. But also, what they can't afford to do if they decide Claude is the man to take them forward, and they give him the whole summer in the transfer window, and a lot of money, and a lot of money to to develop this squad. Um, they then got to give him the time at the start of next season as well, because it, inevitably, if you're bringing in a lot of new players, it's going to take a few games for that to gel. Now they're going to need to be a little bit more fortunate with the tra- with the uh, fixture list than uh, Craig Shakespeare was. I mean, he only had eight games and he was out on his ear. So, um, you know, you don't want to be getting to that situation where every year you're taking one step forward, two step back all the time. So they even have to make a decision in the next couple of weeks after this Tottenham game, is Claude the man or not? And if he is, then back him. Yeah, but and true. But then what happens then if the owners make that decision and back him in the summer, how much of a part then do the fans have to pay it to play in putting aside all the grievances they have about him and and realising themselves or do we keep trying to hound him out or do we have to have to suck it up and try and give it I up? think it'll be a case that Puel and the board have to stay strong if that's the case because I don't truly think that Puel will ever win over all the fans I think there's um, so many now that have already made their minds up that they want to change and regardless of the fact this is, uh, as we've said, this is only the second time in 18 years that City are finishing the top 10 in the Premier League. I think it's the manner in which they've finished this season that's convinced many that uh, they want to change. And I don't think, unless they have a phenomenal start to next season, unless they get a couple of marquee signings in in the summer, I don't think he's going to really win over every fan. No, I think you're probably right. I mean, it... But every manager has their critics in the stands as well, regardless of... Oh, we had it with Nice. I'm sure Claudio fans that didn't. Famously, we had it with Nice, didn't we, in Old Trafford, where the literally fights started in the stands over pro-Pierce and anti-Pierce and Brigade. So, yeah, there's always um, sections of fans that probably won't be keen on the manager, but they, those sections seem a lot bigger with Claude because of the way it's, it's panned out. The only thing I can think of, really, is... If the fans, even the ones that aren't on his side, they've got to see a lot more performances like that Arsenal performance. If they start the season, if they, if they stick with Claude and they start the season and put in performances like they did against Arsenal for the first three, four, five games, he might have a chance of winning of winning those fans over. I think that's the start of next season, if they stick with him, is going to be huge. Well, let's talk about what needs to be done in the transfer window before we talk about actually about Spurs yeah. and a trip to Wembley, which is amazing. Um, but uh, we know certainly that certain players are in jeopardy. Yeah. Uh, Islam Slomani, he, he said that uh, they're going to have talks with Slomani. Leo Joe says he wants to stay at Brighton. Uh, Andy King's future now, it looks like thrown into turmoil because Swansea look like they're going down. And will he go down? Would he want to join a championship side? We don't know. We'll, we'll, that's a question for Andy if, uh, if and when. Um, we know Robert Hoof's gone. Uh, ben Hamer looks like he could be going as well. Uh, already there, you know, you're talking five, six, seven players that are going to be leaving the squad. Yeah, Some, that's before you even mentioned the big name. The big name, Riyad Mahrez. Yeah. Let's talk about Riyad Mahrez. He's been asked about him again today. He says he uh, doesn't want to talk about it, but uh, then he said, said, look, you know, all I know is, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but all I know is he's under contract. So, which I thought was quite a, you know, sort of poignant thing to say. Look, he's still under contract. He's got two years left in his deal. Yeah, I, I, I don't really see the situation with Riyad changing from what it's been in previous years. I know Mares has now retracted his transfer request. That doesn't mean anything. If Man City come in with a a huge £60 million bid whether Mahrez has got a transfer request in or not 
he'll want to go mm. and Leicester may well accept it or they won't depending on what the the bid is I think it's quite a, it's quite a poignant moment at the end of the game with when he, they did their little lap of honour and Mares put his thumbs up to the crowd and punched the badge a little bit I think I've got quite a few emotions going from Leicester fans certainly mine yeah. who saw him sign off in what was potentially or most probably his last performance at the King Power Stadium in a Leicester shirt and he rounded it off with a, a it, in, characteristic goal. Yeah, it? sending Rob Holding off the pitch, not knowing which way he's going. In that game, he, he brought down a 40-yard 40 40 ball with his outside of his boot, put Holding and check on the backside, and signed off in magical style. And if he does, if that was the last time Leicester saw him, then we saw we saw the, the great bits of Riyadh, the things that that will he'll be remembered for in years' time. Mares will not be remembered for shirking 50-50 challenges. He won't be remembered for not being bothered about tracking back. He'll be remembered for sticking players on the backside. He'll be remembered for, he'll be remembered for all the magical things he's done, not the bad stuff. And I think Leicester fans are going to... There was a 20-second passage of play, though, during that game that I said to you. That just sums up Riyad Mahrez for me because he won the ball, gave it away cheaply, did brilliantly to track back and win it back, then gave it away again. And then he was just. He's gone to the ground, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, he he shows signs of genius and then he'll do something daft, but you just forget the daft stuff because the the times of genius, the moments of genius are just phenomenal. In the future, future we will. I mean, I know a lot, even I know fans who wouldn't be fussed about Riyadh leaving because they argue that he doesn't do it consistently enough for him to be classed as an elite player, which is a fair enough argument if you want to make that. Um, I just think that there's no other player that I've seen play for Leicester speaking purely as a well speaking of both a journalist and a fan as well who m- can make you feel like that young boy falling in love with football he do- produces those moments that I've never seen Leicester City players do before and probably will never d- do again and he's the one that makes you make those little like makes you make noises of just joy and wonder and they're the bits that you remember, or will remember when he when he goes, not not the not the rubbish bits. Well, it cost famously cost the club four hundred thousand yeah. pounds. How much is it going to cost to replace a player, Riyad Mahrez, whose importance to the team in your creative sense? Um, well, we see it at the end of games if they're looking for a goal. The players just give it to Riyad and hope he does something. Well, exactly. I mean, how many is it? Eleven this season now. Plus he tops the uh, assist table for for Leicester City, second top goal scorer. Uh, this season as well you know it's important and he's not had by his standards a brilliant season this season but I I still think that underlines his importance to this team so again how much will they have to spend to replace somebody of that importance to the team yeah exactly precisely because you need someone with that creative spark and creative genius for want of an overused word they don't come cheap not in this current market. I mean, of course they don't. City rejected fifty million pound plus player offer from Manchester City for him. I have to say though, you know, we talk about him. Um, people say questioning whether he's an absolute top, like elite marquee player. And I know he got into the uh, FIFA Team yeah. of the Year and all this lot. But there hasn't been a massive amount of clubs knocking down Leicester City's door for him. Has that, there hasn't been even in the past. Arsenal have been linked with him, but never actually made a bid. Yeah, Arsenal have been linked with him a lot, and Riyadh's representatives, as we all know both the previous ones and the present ones are quite active when it comes to the transfer market and Arsenal's name are often linked but 
never been anything. I know Riyad claimed that Leicester blocked a move from Arsenal because they're having discussions, but as far as we know, they've never actually lodged a firm bid. All they've had so far is Roma offering peanuts and Man City deciding they fancied Mares on the last day of the transfer window and offering less than what he was worth. For a player that has... I know when Coutinho went to Liverpool, I kept tweeting out the fact that they both have... Coutinho and Mares have almost identical Premier League records. One of them, Barcelona knocking the door down for 160, 30 million, whatever it was. And Riyad gets a £30 million offer from Roma and a bit from Manchester City. There aren't the teams there that you would think would not would are hammering the down for him. Whether that's because they don't think he's consistent enough, I don't know. But his record matches up with the top players in the Premier League. I don't, I, so I don't really understand why. Well, if it is his final game on Sunday, what a fitting theatre to do it mm. at Wembley Stadium. The home of Tottenham Hotspur for the last time as well. Now, game, end of season games against Tottenham conjure up some bad memories for Leicester City fans, James, don't they? I mean, last season was a bit horrendous. Yeah. It would be a travesty if that was that negative. Yeah, because, well, Harry Kane always scores against Leicester, and I think from a Leicester fan's point of view, I think it's more galling for them because of just how rubbish he was when he was here on loan all those years ago, and now he's developed into a Superb world-class striker. But he just loved scoring against Leicester. Was it four he scored in that 6-1 victory at the end of last season? He scored nine goals, nine Premier League goals in six appearances against Leicester. He's trying to chase Salah down for the golden boot, so he's going to be in desperate form to score more goals. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to take some handling um, Leicester City and Nita are going to be show exactly the same aptitude and the same attitude as they showed against Arsenal on Wednesday night just to stay in this game aren't they because I, mean, I imagine the Spurs are going to come out but if they get an early goal like they did the other night things go against them because a lot of things have gone against them in recent games if things go for them um, we could have a, a, the finale that uh, that we all dreamed of, isn't it? Yeah, well, we all we dreamed about that's a trophy. Well, yeah, well, we all dreamed about ending the season at Wembley, didn't we? Mm. Um, with two quarter finals, but it turns out Leicester and just it's end of season, well, end of season kickabout, probably a bit unfair. Um, but yeah, if Leicester can get the early goal. But Leicester's problem has been recently is that they haven't scored the first goal, and so teams take the lead and can sit back and negate Leicester's strengths which we all know is counter-attacking football Claude's trying to change that but it's not it's not their most potent attacking force of trying to play through teams but when they do score first as they did against Arsenal Arsenal are down to 10 men still have to come out and attack when teams are as open as that Leicester are still a hugely potent force no matter who they're playing against so if they can manage to get in front early against Tottenham with them looking to try and burst forward, then Leicester do have a chance. It plays into the hands of it because we saw what a difference it made when they came up against a side that were committed to the game, were committed to attacking football, um, that left space for Leicester City to play in. And, and we saw a totally different City side, and I expect the same from Spurs. They're going to try and force the issue, they're going to come at City from early on, they're going to leave some space for City to hit them on the counter attacker again. It, it might not be that you're yeah, certainly not going to get the, the dirge that we've seen in recent weeks against sides that have been fighting relegation. No, it's not going to be. I can't see it being boring. Um, to use a use a, uh, a much loved word from anti-Puel uh, fans, 
Because, as we say, both teams, Spurs will go for it, um, and that does play into Leicester's hands a little bit. And even if Leicester do get beat, it's going to Leicester. Leicester are going to be able to play to their strengths as well. So it's going to hopefully. I'd like to think it's going to be an exciting way to finish the season. And if there's going to be anything to get from the game, as we saw against Arsenal, you'd hope that there would be signs of things to be able to look forward to next season. Well, yeah, if there's a few cameos as well from yeah. some of the youngsters and they take to that stage well, then that's certainly going to provide some hope. Mm-hmm. Well, you can follow James's live blog throughout Sunday afternoon at uh, Wembley. He's going to be soaking in the... Uh, that the Wembley atmosphere and uh, giving you um, all the colour on and off the pitch from the afternoon so you can follow all the action there on that live blog. We've got all the build-up stories going on the Merca website and our Facebook page as well. Don't forget beer52.com and we'll be back with another podcast next week.